you have to be immersed in art history and and also the realities of the art world. Yes. Um, because, you know, I mean, look, we, we were 45 minutes or an hour from the city. Welcome to the Stolen Hours Podcast. Conversations with known or unknown creatives across the arts. Guests share what they create and the backstories that have made them who they are today. Listen in to help support the community of creators and to find some inspiration of your own. The following is episode 28. The art history professor, the curator, the writer, Deborah Frizzell. All right, thank you for clicking into another Stolen Hours podcast episode. It's always good to share these awesome uh, conversations with you. So up next, we have uh, my old professor, Deborah Frizzell from William Patterson University. She is now retired up in Maine, but she's had a long career just in the arts and always kind of ahead of her time in terms of uh, curating shows that were just awesome in terms of um, intention and um, highlighting artists that were maybe not recognized or recognized and in the end all very cool so definitely uh keep following along at the stolenerspodcast.com and instagram by the same name and again you can check out back catalog episodes and find links to all the artists and uh deborah's got up there this whole pdf of basically timeline of her work life um as an artist and curator etc so listen in enjoy Today, I welcome Deborah Frizzell to the podcast. Deborah Frizzell is a professor, an art professor from William Patterson University, but also has dedicated her life in, as an advocate in the arts, starting out as a creator, working in sculpture, um, ultimately worked in marble and in stone to make these beautiful abstract sculptures, and then worked, truly dedicated her time as a curator in the New Britain Museum of Art at, in Connecticut, and ultimately that led her to just many different shows, everything from performance art to uh, you know, painting to sculpture. And in the end, all also led into a life of independent curating jobs, working with universities like William Patterson, Sacred Heart. And in the end, dedicated much of her time as the educator in the arts and a writer, but also uh, just someone who really interacted well with you know, bridging the gaps between student of the arts to these artists who are working. And I had the great experience of working with her at William Patterson University when she was teaching art in New York and New Jersey and got to meet people like Charlie Ahern, Nancy Spiro, and Jane Dixon. And ultimately, just great experiences were uh, just Deborah Frizzell introducing students to you know the people she knows in the arts and really advocating for the students and also for the artists that she supported and those who supported her back. So great to welcome her, and thank you all for listening. Enjoy. Welcome, Deborah, to the podcast. Thanks for so much for being on. Thank you. It's great to see you and to, to talk with you. Yeah, so, well, we had a great experience um, when I was in grad school at William Patterson University um, during your time there. I know you recently retired. Congratulations. Yes, thank you. And, and I know it was all over the place. It's a hard career to forge as a uh, professor and I know 
you were one of my favorite professors because you brought us right into the art world. It was a wonderful experience. Uh, oh, well, I remember your, the, the class that you were in well, yes. and um, uh, you and your classmates. And really, that was my favorite class to teach, I think. Nice. Meeting, um, giving you all directions to get into New York City. And, uh, you know, we'd meet in, in different museums and commercial art galleries and foundations and artist studios. And it, it was just great. I loved the fact that we could um, all talk together. We got to know each other very, uh, you know, very quickly because you're in a space um, that's shared by many other people and you're meeting professionals. Yeah. So, um, you know, I don't know if you felt that way, but Absolutely. very comfortable. Yeah, I mean, it was very human. I, I think when I was an undergrad, the whole gallery world, museum world was so foreign to me. It was part of what me really turned me off to that world on some level. And I think it was just because it seemed so unattainable and it seemed mm. like yeah, it was a it was a weird world that I, you know, I just was a little bit disillusioned by. And so it wasn't really till your class that it 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 was introduced to me in a very human way, literally like the juggling of subways. I, even seeing artwork, we were seeing mosaics in the museum. One of our visits was to see the uh, the mosaic in the subway station off of I forget exactly where. <laughs> Yes, we went to, I do remember it was in Bryant Park, yep. under Bryant Park uh, on Fifth Avenue, yes. uh, 40th Street. Yes, I'm, I was so happy that I could arrange that the artist would be there. That was yeah. Sam Kuntz. Yeah. Sam Kuntz, and do you know that is... Her mosaic is one of the most well-loved mosaics of all those MTA yes. subway projects. And she worked for Nancy Spiro, the, the great artist um, yes. who is no longer with us. Um, wow, so that's, yeah. that's wonderful. Do you, do you remember anything particular? I just remember just, just hearing, uh, it, it was amazing to be in that space hearing the artist who made the work you know you always experience those things as they're just running through like <laughs> frantically or, or or calmly depending who you're with um right. and just just being in that that very yeah it's the center of the city just in this familiar space but stopping and pausing it was almost like a, a, a mountaintop experience just to, to understand what i was awesome. seeing you know i always think of the city as a you know the the totally human-made adventure that I experienced when I hiked mountaintops. So this was kind of one of those mountaintop moments for me where we I just stopped and paused and really looked at what what is might have normally rushed through, and especially having the artist right there talking about the work and and her vision for it and how it evolved and developed and the troubleshooting of it and the and the the huge you know just effort team effort to pull this thing off. You know it was really powerful. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and um, she, yeah, I mean, she also um, sent in her application. She actually dropped off her, her application at the Metropolitan Transit Authority, yeah. and there were huge stacks of applications, and she threw it on the top of the stack at like two minutes before <laughs> the uh, end time. And, and she got it. She did a brilliant 
brilliant job. Yeah. Um, she just she researched um, the geography under the ground. Yeah, that's great. Park. Yeah. So yeah. she she used words and images together, great um, text excerpts and beautiful um, roots and uh, you know all sorts of living organisms that yeah. in, in mosaic. Yeah, it was beautiful. I, I, I just, and that experience in general, just meeting these artists in their own spaces or in the, the galleries representing them. I remember Charlie Ahern. I remember um, just, just, I remember, I don't remember the other, the artist who this was, but I remember her saying, I said, wow, congratulations. This is a great show. And you're, you have a gallery experience. She's like, yeah, I still haven't sold anything yet. And it just was like, oh, that's right. <laughs> a a yeah. Chelsea, Chelsea gallery experience and representation is not the goal. It's to sell work, which I forgot. <laughs> yes, good. That's the kind of thing that you discover. You discover that, you know, maybe several weeks into the show, maybe nothing has sold. Yeah. And, well, it's okay for your first show, yeah. you know. I mean, maybe that's, you know, it's, a, or maybe something else after the show is down. Yeah. And, um, great. Oh, I, that was, I would be happy to have you. That yeah. was wonderful education. Yeah. Very practical. <laughs> very practical. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and really otherworldly. It was, it was, a, it was a real behind, it was behind the curtain experience which I, that you set up for us. Yeah. And what yeah. a gift, what a gift yeah. for, made grad school worth it. Yeah, oh, I'm glad. Well, I, you know, I designed that course um, because I've never had a course like that. Yeah. And so it was in my imagination. What kind of course would I have loved to have had as an intro to grad school or even as a senior undergraduate yeah. person? Um, and so that's, that's how I brought it together. And, um, you know, just ch chose artists and museum curators and directors who I knew were good with people, you know, yeah. not, <laughs> not sure. looking down on anyone, but yeah. willing to share. Uh, and, and so that, that was important. That's great. Yeah, I mean, it's it was definitely one of the highlights. And I, I, I always think of it <laughs> and I think of you. I, <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure you get this, you know, reference. Um, I'm going to say I'm going to say this reference real quick. It's uh, <laughs> the magic school bus. I felt like it was Deborah Frizzell's, yeah. which her name is. Isn't it for Mrs. Frizzell? <laughs> yes, yes. I was so happy. She pronounced her name Frizzell. Frizzell. That, so, right, that's why people <laughs> come to, to my class and say, Oh, you're the same name as Mrs. Frizzle on the magic, you know, school bus. And, you know, I hated to uh, correct people because I wanted so much to be associated with this woman who was a great teacher. Yes, and yes. I like her. <laughs> well, you, I mean, on some level, like, and I've never, I've never said this, maybe it was our pre-discussion where we talked about Frizzle versus Frizzell, but uh, right. my kids watching that show, I, I really do think, like, you brought us, it wasn't inside the, uh, the human body, but you brought us inside the art world <laughs> in your bus. And if only we had a bus, it would have been so much better to navigate than subway systems. 
<laughs> right, the Magical Mystery Tour. I'm that much older that the Beatles Magical Mystery Tour yes. was my um, magic into their imagination because the Beatles music I grew up on in the 60s, um, that was the, the playlist to my life. Oh, nice. You know, I came of age with the Beatles yeah. and grew up like when George Harrison went to India and stuff. Oh, of course. I started taking um, books out of the library about uh, Hinduism and Buddhism. Yeah. yeah, that's great. I mean, you know, it's interesting. I think our generation's connected really easy because the 90s is like a real embrace of the 60s again. You know, and that's what I'm growing up in. Right. And I, right. I, so I think there's a connection there. It's, it's almost that 30 year, you know, decades, just separation that, that because it, it's like the, you know, the, I grew up in the 80s and 90s, but the yeah. 90s fully embraced the 60s. The 70s, not so much. You know, disco is not our thing. But right. there's, there's an embrace of like, you know, our, yeah, the, the clothes in our parents' closet from the 60s. Like, oh, that's nice. I'll, I could wear that. You know, like little things like that. Yeah. But the music, I mean, the Beatles never dies. It's always the classic, you know, right. go-to. On yeah. some level, it's the soundtrack of my life, you know? <laughs> yeah, I've, I've found that year after year. That was, that's been only constant. Sure, yeah. Um, you know, students will show up in, like, Beatles shirts. Yeah. You yeah. Know, <laughs> new Beatles shirts, you know, like, from their albums and stuff. And I say, wow, you like the Beatles? Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. <laughs> nice. So, cool. so I, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, it, you offered us something so authentic, um, you know, as authentic as the the Beatles. <laughs> I'll say, <laughs> you know. Wow. No, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I think I it's. Can't live I, up to that. I hope I can live up to to um to Miss Frizzle's um, you know magic bus definitely definitely that definitely that we definitely got that um and i think uh and in, in the end all it was uh really developed a community out of a bunch of part-time mfa students we were all a lot of us were teachers um a lot, a lot of us who are teachers every every semester i find that and so you know i try with with all the mfa courses that i teach um to develop ways to connect you as artist educators to yeah. other <laughs> artist educators, um, yeah. you know, artists who are really, really serious and they're showing in galleries and yet they're trying to keep it all together with their partners or their children or yeah. whatever. Plus, well, I think of Jane Dixon and Charlie Ahern, you know, the, yeah. the artist they're couple. Awesome. and. Both of them being powerful, awesome presences for presence for us to talk to and get to know. Yeah, yeah, they're they're very unusual in being so, you know, co-equal and sharing, and yet having their their own definitive identities, and yeah. they remain so. If you check out their their creative lives and what they're doing. Um, uh they're still in there they're showing they have shows in europe and, wow. and uh yeah yeah they're doing great things so you know it's inspiring yeah it's 
So I know you were a curator of shows with some of these people. I know you were friends with some of these people. So talk a bit about um, yeah. just, just those connections. How did that all begin for you? I mean, I know you start out your art experience yeah. as, as an artist yourself. And how does this all go? It, okay, it, it goes because, um, you know, when I, when I started as an artist, I joined some cooperative galleries and some mm. organizations. Um, and I, so I think that's really important. Um, I belong to a cooperative gallery in Connecticut and then in Soho, New York. And by um, meeting other artists, um, you begin to build networks. Yeah. And that's what happened to me. My art grew because of the meetings and critiques I had with certain um, artists with whom I had some connection, you know. Um, there's, there are always one or two people you're going to feel a resonance with. And, and so that's how it happens. And it is all about, besides spending time alone in your studio, um, uh, also to get out of the studio and to have ideas like this podcast that you're mm -hmm. doing. Um, which which puts you within a network also, and people suggest other people. So that's that's yeah. how it started. Um, and um, then I was for a while. I directed a commercial gallery in which I had to research um, artists who lived and worked in Connecticut, and that was huge for me. I had I was doing that for four years. That was New, um, New Britain? Yeah, that was in New Britain. And then I was in, at the New Britain Museum. Mm. Um, I, I wanted to, art history was my minor. And I always loved art history in my own sculpture and installations um, were based on a lot of the research that I did in the history of art. Yeah. So I carried that with me and I wanted to be with other scholars uh, and real curators who knew collections well who knew some time period and some aspect of art quite definitively so that's where the new britain museum took me yeah. um, and they actually they have a fantastic collection of american art there i know by now there are probably over ten thousand or twelve thousand objects in the collection wow. And um, uh, and that was where I really hit the ground running. And um, I was able to curate shows there from the collection. I was able to invite artists uh, to have solo shows. And I was able to curate at other museums in Connecticut. Um, and, um, you know, and that's how I met wonderful artists like um, Barclay Hendricks. Um, whose work I, you know, I, I sent you some slides of. Yeah. Um, before Kahindi Wiley, every every student knows Kahindi Wiley's brilliant work. Well, before Kahindi, um, there was Barclay Hendricks. Uh, he taught for decades at, at Connecticut College in New London, Connecticut, and he was making portraits 
Um, yeah, mostly of the, the black community, um, brown community, everybody, but, but specifically of um, frequently full-length portraits of people in those incredible 60s clothes that defined them when black power yeah. uh, came to the, you know, and the Pan-Africa movement. Um, and uh, just above Midtown Gallery opened so that black artists who were, um, ex you know, excluded yeah. from museums and, and even from galleries um, uh, could, could present their work. Well, Barkley was part of that. And yeah. it's because of him, um, you know, and his estate now is with Jack Chainman Gallery in Chelsea, which is a wonderful gallery. So I, I you know, opened a bottle of champagne when one of Barclay's paintings was on the cover of Art Forum. Yes. Finally. Yeah, it's, it's really <laughs> it powerful work. 30 years too late, yeah. but at least he was still alive then and he could see that. So. Awesome. Yeah, and Nell Edwards, another great, uh, great African-American artist and his lynching series, um, Denise Marika, um, so many artists. Um, I was privileged to meet and work with them. Um, and um, so eventually um, I decided that I wanted to pursue art history. Yeah. I, I'd given up making art um, in about 1985-86. Um, my husband really needed to go back to, to school. He went to law school and he really needed to change careers because he wanted to get out of the rat race that he was in. Okay. And, you know, and so that's why I had all these positions in museums. But I loved so much curating and I was learning yeah. so much, but I felt like my, my art history knowledge was like a piece of Swiss cheese, you know, I had to go back and do the PhD. And so the program for me and for a lot of working people um, was uh, City University of New York's uh, Graduate Center, uh, right across from Bryant Park it was nice. then. Yeah. And, um, and we could all keep our day jobs and curate and go to grad school. It took us eight or 10 years, yeah. we did it, That's we great. did it. So um, that allowed me to work on the Humphrey Spender Show um, at the Yale uh, Center for British Art, um, where I spent a lot of time. And that was my first real, um, solid scholarship um, and you know there was a book published and Humphrey was in his late 80s early 90s when we brought him to New Haven yeah. um, and um, it was just the most fantastic experience and I had all the support of Scott Wilcox who was the uh, curator of um, all works on paper, photography, and drawing and prints, and uh, the then curator of um, the Yale Center for British Art, and Patrick McKacky. And um, I mean, we, we did the works. Uh, we had symposia. 
uh, Vicki Goldberg came out, Fred Richin came out. Um, I was very, very lucky that while I was at CUNY in that grad program, I had this professional experience and that meant everything. And then I got to meet Nancy Spiro, <laughs> yeah. who was my dissertation. Sure. And um, she, let's see, she was in her late 70s then, and her husband, Leon Golub, was alive. Leon yeah. Golub, an equally important artist yeah. and an and incredible artist. Um, so that brought me to, you know, sort of almost bringing my sleeping bag and like <laughs> living in their studio, uh, which is, was in the village. Um, you know, on LaGuardia Place, they had a whole floor there. Yeah. And 90% of the space was studio space. Yeah. I mean, there was the wall straight down the middle. Okay, it was equally, <laughs> equally distant. Um, Nancy Spiro Studio and Land Studio. Yeah. And, and they just had little monk cells, you know, that their bedroom was in. Sure. Um, and, a, and a vast library. And they, at that time, uh, this is, I want to say 1996, uh, through Leon died in 2004, and Nancy passed away um, several, several years later, 2009. Hmm. Um, and all that time they worked. They worked through sickness. Um, yeah. uh, they work. I, re, I remember Nancy uh, had been in the hospital at NYU, and she we she literally took a taxi with Sam Kuntz and her other assistants. She had several assistants, and the taxi took them to the drawing center downtown uh, in the village, and Nancy was in a show there, um, curated and um, by Kathy DeZager, and it was called Persistent Vestiges. Yeah. Um, it was art uh, made during the Vietnam War. So there were Vietnamese artists, and Nancy and Martha Rossler, several other people. Nancy was taken from her hospital bed to the drawing center wow. and there. She worked with her assistants who um, uh, helped stencil the wall. She made a wall painting installation there. Wow. So that gives you um, some idea of, of the um, determination yeah. of artists um, just giving everything to art, you yeah. know. Plus having, you know, three sons. And, um, <laughs> well, it's funny. I, I think of them in the context of this podcast. I, I have five children. Um, I think of Nancy and Liam as, 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 as a, bit of, a bit of an inspiration as, yeah, how do we keep creating in the midst of all this life? Um, I just spoke with someone, uh, Matt Bear, a young man uh, who's forging his career. He's brilliant ideas. And he just had a baby. He's like, how did you do this when you had a baby? <laughs> And he's like, you just do it, man. And yeah, you know, your wife and you take turns doing your passions, you know. 
that's why I wanted to ask you how you, I mean, I was, I really wanted to ask you the first question and thinking <laughs> of Nancy with three boys, which I thought, yeah. oh my God, and you with five and your dedication, um, your, your teaching, especially photography and, um, uh, and being so involved in social justice, as of course Nancy was also. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, I think I've lived that social justice life uh, through my students more than my own art. Sometimes my art doesn't always go there, but it's it's something I encourage, something I did. It's something I do kind of secretly, like whether it's <laughs> working with the Elizabeth Coalition to House the Homeless. We do photo programs for kids in the summer for years, and then uh, I'm going to do one in New Brunswick this summer. But the cool thing is now I get to bring my eldest son or my daughter, even my 12 year old, my you know, 15 year old um, to wow. these things and introduce them to these ideas. Um, and the social justice thing kind of uh, just is a theme that doesn't go away, even our um, yeah. just the George Floyd thing um, and, the, yeah. and just the intensity of all of the reality that 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 horrible tragedy brought up. Um, I didn't know how to respond. I didn't know what to write or do, but I knew I wanted to do something. And then I was invited to make a mural, which was, you know, my son and I went out there and painted this mural about racial reconciliation, um, trying, you know, to, to create something that was, I, I felt like, I don't know how else to respond besides making something. So, it, and it was on my anniversary with my wife and she said, just go. She's like, go, you have to go. And it was pandemic and we shouldn't be flying on planes, but it was, she's like, just go, this is, you have to do this. So that, that support and encouragement and, that and is, we go back and forth. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that, that is what it's all about as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. And I, I, I feel like there's the core of yeah. repairing the world, you know, trying, you know, and, and, you know, I, it's not my experience. And I, I even was, asking locals there to help paint because I'm like, this is your story more than mine. You know, like, what do you think of, what do you think of my design? They're like, Oh, and people loved it. Cause it had like a reference to Prince who's a local <laughs> Minnesota, yeah. Minneapolis guy, yeah. uh, which I purposely put in there, but I didn't know how it was going to be read. And it was read that way. And I loved that one person read it that way. And another person read it as like the Holy spirit of God blessing the people. And I'm like, that's cool. And then, um, this is a wow. reference to Prince. It was like a dove coming down. It's just like, it's like, okay, however, let this be people's rather than mine. I sort of felt like it did, it did not get my, I didn't write my name on it anywhere. I let my, I think my son put his initials on it, but I was like, I'm just going to let this be. And, and on some level, that's not something. Yeah. That's always, yeah. It's not like I'm, yeah, whatever. <laughs> it's just like, I just yeah. felt like I had to do something and the support to do it for my family was really nice. And and that's it. And I, I I do remember those discussions about Nancy and uh, Liam Gollum um, about having a family, being a couple, both artists who are like major, <laughs> and how the heck did they pull it off? And you know, Liam's doing these giant paintings, <laughs> Nancy yeah. doing these 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 profoundly large sculptures, figures. Right? It's like uh -huh. yeah, just uh -huh. crazy, crazy. Yeah. And I I saw that as even getting my MFA, I said, hun. Is it okay? I'm gonna to go to. I'm gonna get my MFA, even though we're having a child, and that was our first son was being born, and I was enrolled in the MFA program. And by the time I was done, we had three children. <laughs> but thank God for part-time programs, as you describe your doctorate yes. and your experience. 
part-time yeah. programs is essential to do to live life to be able to afford to pay for it absolutely um, let's plug that yeah yeah I, absolutely that yeah i mean um uh city university of new york yeah. was the the only uh i don't i don't know about other fields of study yeah. but it was the only art history phd program that we could do part-time and of course you know our great colleague alejandro Andreas. yes yes um who uh, all through um grad school same school he was he was ahead of me okay and um but you know he was a cur curator all the all yes. of those years in new jersey yep. and um and you know he was able to inspire countless people absolutely um, at william patterson so you're carrying on you know this tradition and to me that's what it's about it's not yeah. about us yeah per se and uh, obviously with our with our families people who love us but standing on this on the shoulders of other people absolutely yeah and that that's exactly i mean alejandro was on this podcast already um his, his episodes <laughs> a few before yours um and and what an amazing human being um as 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 even to get to know you guys through this means you know i knew you as professors but there was always this humanness this uh concern and and desire to support us as artists and educators um yeah. and for sure give back yeah. give back give back we felt that and and i i fully you know um lived lived that as, as something i was then offering back to my students and yeah and even this this effort to try to just yeah just support you guys and give you guys another avenue to present for posterity you know on some level like the cool thing about a podcast is they don't go away until i stop paying my monthly uh <laughs> you know subscription or whatever but like but it's like it's it's there and how some all these names that we bring up um it's the beauty of of, of documentary it's uh, it's what i love about documentary like documenting telling yeah. stories media yeah. that's it's it's not about agenda you know it's like yeah. whatever it's like let's yes, just do exactly. this thing to support each other and community it's about and building that exactly. that's what yeah uh, doc documentary at least in the sense that that um is our philosophy that, that we believe in yeah um yeah i and i think of um my wonderful friend toby pearl freilich um, who who um, has many many documentaries? Uh, she made an incredible documentary um, about Daniel Patrick Moynihan, uh, the, the great senator, um, and and uh, on many cabinets of many presidents, and uh, and a history of all the different kinds of uh, kibbutz in in Israel uh, that wow. I had no idea about. Yeah before i saw her film and she's making a great film about uh the wonderful artist um meryl laterman ukulees um who oh, yeah. was ukulees uh one of the one of the garbage gals yeah. early on um uh you know worked for the sanitation yeah i love that new york city and um she she worked with the sanitation 
workers and whose stories she yeah. documented. And so, um, you know, and she's in the midst of making this documentary, you know, yeah. and uh, so it's, it's about that. It's about so that Meryl's work is not forgotten. Yeah. Uh, and, um, you know, and. Yeah, I mean, I, Meryl's work, I, yeah, I learned about that in grad school and I wrote about that um, in my thesis. And, yeah. I, you know, I, I, you know I, I was only introduced to the work there, but it's, it sticks with me all the time. I think about it all the time. <laughs> it's like yeah. such great, great yeah. work. Yeah, so it stays with you. And, yeah. and that's what we hoped to, to pass on. And I think we also wanted to give all students um, to be real with the students, to be real with uh, disillusionment they might have, they yeah. might have um, and, and how tough it is, um, how tough the art world is. Um, as as you know because it intertwines with our lives sure and, um so i think that the honesty was was part of we didn't hide hide the reality from them yeah, you know? yeah. it was important it was a good message yeah, yeah and like yeah like we were saying we started to talk about those part-time it was the yeah you know, i got the mfa even though it's not the teacher degree public school teacher art teachers don't get the mfa but i was like no i want to be the artist that i am yeah, and artist. i could get just as much of a, of a a salary boost with a 30 credit masters but no i'm going to go for the 60 because i want to yeah. really <laughs> it's like the privilege of dedicating yourself to something that you love and are, are passionate about um mm -hmm. and and on some level the just being enrolled in the program allowed me to just do that for the, the five years that I was doing it. And yeah, it focuses you and it feeds you because it's a serious pursuit. It's a serious um, aesthetic and technical and intellectual pursuit. Yeah. You know? yeah. And, um, and in order for you to be a serious artist, um, you have to be immersed in art history and, and also the realities of the art world. Yes. Um, because, you know, I mean, look, we, we were 45 minutes or an hour from the city and, um, and you had to hold your own works up to a very, very high standard and to critique each other and support each other. Yeah. And um, that's what graduate school is. Yeah. yeah. So you were so good to, you were wise to see the difference between an MFA, you know, and, and another kind of focus. Another yeah, kind. whether it was art education or whatever, it, all, all good stuff. And colleagues of mine did it, but I just felt like, okay, this was and William Patterson being a school dedicated to serving a very diverse population. Um, I think Hunter was also an MF program, FA program that was um, yeah. part time. Part time. I, yeah. And it's like the only two that I really could find, but I couldn't yeah. imagine commuting to the city from New Jersey all the time for it. Right. Right. <laughs> um, That's what 
that's what students always said. You know, they they looked at the programs. Yeah, and Hunter College is, of course, yeah. part of the CUNY system. Yep. Um, yeah, you know, so um, right, right. You could you could stay in New Jersey if you know um, you had family obligations, whether it was to parents or to children or partners, yeah. and uh, and yet be near the city, but you didn't have to schlep into you know and spend tons of money you know yeah, parking yeah. or public transportation or whatever but cool. um you were you were in the hub yeah well i i appreciate yeah that you dedicated your your gifts as an educator to william patterson too and you know I, I, this is a appreciation of that interviewing you and thanking you for that i don't know if i've ever fully thanked you so oh, no it's to all my professors there for sure yeah, that's what I loved about William Patterson, actually, the fact that um, there was real diversity, yeah, yeah. <laughs> real diversity, um, and and just within also the art historians. I mean, he represented very different backgrounds and sure. and 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 everything about our backgrounds was different and and how we identified and um, the student body. Uh, you know, I could relate to because you know my 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 parents were working class, yeah. and my father was a tool and die maker, yeah. and my mother always worked. I was a latchkey kid, so I I to some extent knew what that was like being first generation, and I thought I have to do the first generation thing. Yeah, <laughs> I have to. Um, that's what. Um, um, oh, who's the wonderful art historian? Um, now my mind is, is going blank, but at Ramapo College, uh, the wonderful art historian who um, decided to, to remain at Ramapo okay. and not an exclusive uh, position at yeah. Smith College or Mount Holyoke or, you know, where, wherever it was that... Anyway, so that's yeah. cool. It's a it's a good story, even if we can't name them. <laughs> it's yeah, fine. No, I'm really it'll, it'll come, and then I'll I'll sneak Carol. it in. I'll Carol, sneak it in. I could I could edit it in. Sneak it in because I feel really embarrassed because she wrote many books with Alan Wallach, and um, oh my God! So this is what happens when you get to be old. So use <laughs> her name. Sneak her name in. <laughs> I will. I will. Awesome. So, wow. Um, well, they, uh, so this is a whole new chapter for your life. You retired when? Yeah, I retired, you know, uh, last, last summer. Uh, the, last, the last classes I taught actually were independent studies when the pandemic hit us, um, the pandemic semester. Yes. And um, I had, you know, uh, some great independent study students and Zooming was, with them was fine, but I thought, how am I going to function in the fall, you know, with teaching on Zoom? I'm not going to like it because I'm a real person-to-person -person teacher yeah. and I don't like to lecture. I like to have a seminar where people will speak. 
And um, anyway, it's it's just that I'm an older generation, and um, you know, and I knew I was going to be seventy years old, and I knew my husband and I always wanted to move to Maine. Yeah. And we looked at each other; we're the, the same age, more or less. And we said, "Are we going to do the move now?" And we said, "Okay." Yeah. So it was the summer, and uh, Maine opened up. It's the state of Maine opened up uh, its borders, uh, mm. you know, because the pandemic was lessening. So we could, yeah. we found our dream house. We absolutely found. Awesome. We've never had an acre and a half of land. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're on the Damarscotta River, which nice. is a tidal river. Uh, we can walk to the beaches. And what can I tell you? That's beautiful. Um, yeah, and so I'm going back to making, um, I don't know, I don't call it art. I'm, I'm sewing, embroidering, and appliquing stuff. Mm. Things. And I have a friend who's teaching me how to make quilts. Awesome. So I can make a quilt for um, my new great great grand niece, something like that. Nice. <laughs> and um, yeah, so I'm having great fun. And I still am an editor of the art section of an interdisciplinary journal called Cultural Politics. Oh, yeah, I was wondering what that was. And um, cool. based in the UK, and it's published by by Duke University Press, and, okay. and you know you can um, just Google that information. And cultural politics has interdisciplinary articles. There are anthropologists, cultural wow. studies people, sociologists, you name it, they're there. And um, then there's me <laughs> with the art section. Well, there's not me. I invite artists whose okay. work is conceptually oriented toward uh, politics. Like um, Meryl Lederman Eupolis yeah. um, was on the cover, and there was nice. a great interview with her uh, with Toby Freilich. Uh, in one of the last issues. So nice. we really focus on art, artists who are, are very, uh, very much uh, politically uh, motivated also. Equally. Awesome, awesome. So, That's great. So, well, you're in, you're in good company with Carol Duncan. I know, Carol Duncan, thank you. Because so <laughs> she, she, she retired so, as well so, from Ramapo. Carol Duncan, yes. <laughs> She's so amazing, and I remember that that was one of her quotes that she said, you know, her peers would say, why are you, you know, at a public university? She said, hey, this is where the action is. <laughs> That's great. This so is just... where you have bright, brilliant students, and yes. they, they, um, they are so motivated. They're not jaded, and mm, yeah. they're they want to work. Yeah. And, yeah. Well, of yeah. course. So she, I guess, she retired as well. So you're in good company. I am. I am in great company. That's awesome. And she's in New York State somewhere, I think. Yeah. Or yeah. I can't remember. Someplace. <laughs> That's cool. Well, I, I think I. I don't think you're going to stop doing the art world. Uh, a uh, Dr. Frizzell service, you know, it's like, I feel like you, you, you can't, even your, 
<laughs> exactly. I, I feel like uh, that's something that uh, it's not going to go away. How, how far are you from Belfast, Maine? Oh, we're very close. All right, because there's uh, a friend of ours was up there and she started, uh, what was the, uh, it's like a coalition in, in the town there, um, an, an art coalition where they were very social justice minded. Um, they did workshops and cool things, so it's not far. You have to give me her info because, or his info, whoever it is, um, yeah. because I will become part of it. Um, yeah, and also there are folks in um, Rockland, Maine, who, um, it, which is not, which is like a half an hour from Belfast. Yeah, Maine. yeah. So I mean, there's there's things going on up there in the woods. <laughs> Portland also and yep. Lewis where Bates College is. Um, so, um, That's great. yeah, so now that COVID is somewhat um, under control, um, but I really want to get in touch with, with people uh, yeah. are doing good work up here. So. Yeah, yeah, well, and then this, uh, yeah, this world that we have here that we could talk through this means, it's, it's something that can, can start you out, you know, now. And this is magic, and I can't wait to listen to your episodes. And yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely uh, a cool, yeah, it was a desire for a community to record these conversations and to share them with the community that, that is listening. And it's yeah. interesting to, to, to know that it's, it's working on some level. It's like really people are appreciating it and excited to talk on, on, on record and also on record and also to listen. And uh, thank you for being a part of it, Deborah. I appreciate it. Thank you. So is there... Is there a way to follow your world in terms of what you're a part of? I guess the cultural politics, we'll find that one. Yeah, cultural politics is at Duke University Press and the art section yeah. is free, okay? Nice. All right, all right, there you go. Free, and because Duke University Press, as you may know, is um, a very socially justice committed. Yeah, I know they do the Center for Documentary Studies there. Um, yeah, they, they support the documentary, social justice-minded artists all the time. Uh, Great. So, so go there. I'm also I have papers and and books and stuff on academia.edu. Okay. So it's Brazil, and um, you can find my papers there. Awesome. Um, and I'm I'm not on social media. I'm sorry, but uh, I'll send you JPEGs of my crazy, um, my crazy fabric. Yeah, I'd love to see. Yeah, your newest creations. <laughs> and I want to make busy blankets for um, folks up here That's awesome. um, who are who are dealing with dementia. Oh wow! And, Powerful. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So it's big. It's actually a big movement up here, and we have small residences, ah. you know, small group residences for folks and families who are dealing with dementia, Alzheimer's. Wow. Yeah, so there's a lot happening up here, actually. That's great. Yeah, I mean, it's you can't you can uh, people people even even spread out. You know, there's, there's they find a way for community and creating. You know, it's like the the two themes for sure. And that's really what produces culture. And this is, 
this is what uh from the grassroots up is really what's bonding us all together so it's nice to hear you're going to keep doing it and uh, and contributing your own creations for that sake that's awesome that's awesome you know where to find you with yes expand the network and i will visit um, awesome i will visit northern new jersey and new york yeah well there's i, I keep some i keep imagining this better day where i can invite like the 52 guests from the stolen hours podcast to present their work and have this big stolen hours festival i mean <laughs> who knows what will happen but, but <laughs> it's just that lo that longing desire for a community to see each other in person and give each other big hugs so air hug to you right now it's great to see you yes, and thank you for this time <laughs> and i'm so proud of you wow i am so proud of everything that you have done and especially doing doing this podcast and going out and making the mural uh, with your son and continue to continue this culture of inclusion of everybody and support for yeah cool i'll do my best thank you for your support okay. <laughs> all right take care deborah See you soon. i'll be in touch take care Bye. Thanks for listening to The Stolen Hours Podcast! Alright, thank you uh, for listening to this episode with Deborah Frizzell. Definitely check out her work on thestolenhourspodcast.com. I'll have a bunch of links to uh, things she mentioned as well as uh, her visual um, experience of her whole timeline and career in a PDF. And uh, yeah, just let us know what you think and reach out to her. And also uh, check in next week for episode 29. This is with Matthew Bear, who's a visual artist, but also an industrial designer. Definitely creating some really conceptual-minded art pieces, questioning our uses of technology, but also kind of expanding the abilities of humanity through what he creates um, to really consider philosophically what it's doing to us. And uh, always, as always, support the artists and uh, you know all the creators on this pod, including Jag, Missionary's Music. Dig it, dig it. Take care.